0: Everyone, welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spafford, joined alongside by my trusted colleague Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field on a victory Monday, Wes. The Packers beat the Miami Dolphins 31-12 to on Sunday afternoon at Lambeau Field. A lot of things to touch on with regards to this game, but we might as well start With running back Aaron Jones, boy, what a day. 145 rushing yards, two touchdowns, career highs for him in both of those categories. He was the playmaker for the Packers offense on Sunday afternoon.
1: He was, Mike, and and I go back to something that you and I talked about last week. He stepped out right in front of that fumble against the Patriots. He said, you know what, I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to correct it. I'm going to be better. I'm happy to be here. The Packers showed a lot of confidence in him feeding them him the ball the way he did. He got the ball back-to-back series. i got to be honest with you, Mike. Maybe you can correct me here. I can't remember another time in which the Packers have gone with Jones two straight series to start off a ball game. That first one, he comes out right out of the gate. He does drop a pass on the first play.
0: Yeah, what a way to start your <laughs> career day, right? You
1: drop, drop the quick pass in the flat, and uh, but... Didn't slow him down. Two carries for 27 yards, two catches for 27 yards, 54 total on that series, ends up producing a touchdown, and then comes back on the second series, a 67-yard run down the field, a career-long for him. Two plays later, gets into the end zone. And just like that, Aaron Jones was off and running. Uh, It was funny getting a chance to talk to him afterwards. He is the salute-to-service nominee for the Green Bay Packers. His parents, both Army veterans, had – Uh, 56 combined years of service between them. They have since retired. They've been going to every single one of his games home and away this season. Did the same thing last year regardless of whether or not he was injured. They still went. (laughs) They were in attendance in Lambeau Field for his first two touchdown game and he gave those two balls to his parents. A pretty special day for Aaron Jones.
0: Yeah, 172 yards from scrimmage I believe if I did the math right on adding the rushing and the receiving yards. What I like the most about his game, Wes, obviously the 67-yard run jumps out, but you take away the 67-yard run, he still averaged over six yards a carry on his other 14 carries because um, six carries total out of his 15 for 10 yards or more. He was gashing the Miami Dolphins. We talked about it last week going into the game. The Dolphins were not very good against the run, and the Packers were going to have to take advantage of that, and they did because Aaron Jones set the tone as you said right from the first couple of possessions that the Packers were going to control the line of scrimmage offensively give credit to Green Bay's offensive line because as explosive as Jones is and as elusive as he is he also had some awfully nice holes to run through
1: he really did and and this is what was interesting about this matchup for me Byron Bell was talking about this in the locker room afterwards Bell felt like he needed to play better I know the members of that offensive line felt like they needed to play better coming out of the Patriots game. Aaron Jones felt like he needed to play better. And it seemed like everything was in sync and everybody stepped up when they needed to. Uh, Jones was, uh, every time he got a compliment in his uh, post-game media scrum, he kept deflecting all the, the praise to the offensive line for the holes that were open for him. But here's the thing that makes this kid special. He had some great holes to work with. But his ability, once he gets into space at the second level, is unparalleled. In the third quarter, Mike, uh, of that game, right after he, he came back, and I believe it was the back-to-back runs for 22 yards and he had the touchdown. Yeah,
0: 12 yards and 10 yards yeah. for, for the, to finish off that touchdown drive.
1: Honest-to-God question, Mike. I, I want an answer. If you can give an answer, give it to me. If not, throw it back at me. But I was sitting there thinking – when was the last time the Packers drafted a player a running back that was that explosive? Eddie Lacy was a great back. Yeah. James Starks was a great back. Amon Green was a good back but was traded for. I was trying to think of somebody like him. It's in I I'm not big on hyperbole, you know I bring that up every once in a while, but like I, they haven't had anybody like him that they've drafted specifically in the 5th round that has been this kind of spark plug for this offense?
0: Yeah, I was thinking, as I was watching the game yesterday, the thought that went through my mind is the last time I can remember seeing a Packers running back who was this combination of explosive and shifty and elusive with the ball in his hands, Amon Green was who came to mind. Obviously, the Packers traded for Green. They didn't draft him. So to your question, when was the last time the Packers drafted a running back with this type of skill set and and to be able to show it the way he has boy I yeah, you've you kind of got me stumped, quite yeah. frankly, because uh, yeah. because Amon Green, obviously the all-time leading rusher in uh, in the history of this franchise, but uh, um, he, he reminds me of him in a lot of ways. He's smaller than Green, not as powerful necessarily, yeah. but just the just the shiftiness and elusiveness, but also that first step to hit the hole so quickly.
1: I've never seen uh, running back in my time in Green Bay have the quickness with his first two steps. In the power that Aaron Jones could run with, Rob Domofsky from ESPN.com had a stat that he brought up to Jones in the locker room afterwards—a Next Gen stat that ESPN does—and uh, he said to him, I believe it was somewhere around 21 miles per hour is what he, the force that he sh- got through the hole on with that 67-yard okay. uh, run that he had. Now, mind you, he didn't keep that up the entire time. He ended up getting taken down at the four. Yeah. But his short area quickness is is incredible. And for this offense, you also look at this game, Mike. They had Devontae Adams have two more touchdowns. He has 12 now over the last 11 games that he's played in. Uh, Aaron Rodgers made the throws when he needed to make them. Uh, This offense still, I don't – Corey Lindsley talked about it afterwards. They aren't still where they want to be in terms of the overall consistency. They got off to a fast start. They want to maintain that more. But what impressed me about this performance is they started fast and they finished fast. They did the two things that this offense had been struggling to do, get out of the gates and close it. Yeah, there was some stuff in the middle, yeah, but they they did the three things that you and I discussed last week. They protected the football, they took it away, and Aaron Jones had a career day. If they can keep that going, much like Eddie Lacy in 2013 and in different intervals where they've gotten those type of performances out of running backs – that's how you build a foundation, and that ultimately is how you find your consistent one-two punch with the offense, run, and pass.
0: Yeah, this game was a story of the value of the explosive play, because you mentioned the Packers went through a bit of a lull in the middle of the game. They were in some short-yardage situations offensively in the second quarter, some second and twos, third and ones, weren't able to convert. Even a fourth and two, they went for it near midfield, didn't get it. Some short-yardage failures were, were bogging down the offense. But I tell you what, that in the third quarter, third and short, the play-action pass to Mercedes Lewis, nobody's covering him, 30-yard, no. big explosive play, 30 yards down the field, a third down conversion and an explosive play on top of it, it's like it, it totally jump-started the offense again. Then Aaron Jones finishes that drive with a touchdown, Bashad Breeland gets the interception, the Packers get another touchdown. I really thought the 30-yard catch and run by Mercedes Lewis, when the Dolphins, quite frankly, just forgot about him yeah. and, and left him all alone, I thought that was really the the turning point of the game, because, uh, because the Dolphins had worked their way back into it with their field goals.
1: I tweeted this during the game, too. And it, Mercedes Lewis talked about it throughout the summer, about don't sleep on him. Yes, <laughs> right. I'm a blocking tight end. But if you go back and look at some of his explosive plays the last few years, last two years with Jacksonville, they were basically off of defenses just not quite taken in him into account yeah and yeah. he slides out that was sort of the the look sort of the the rope a dope you keep them you know <laughs> okay it's a running play 89
0: yeah, 89s in the game they're gonna run the ball they're gonna run the ball he leaks out yeah. and I
1: swear Mike it, we're, we're taping this now on Monday morning. Mercedes Lewis might still be open on that play. I mean, it was incredible how much green space there was. And then right after that, they feed Aaron Jones twice. They get back in the end zone. And I, from that point, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion. The The underlying storyline to this game, to me, was that it wasn't – Devontae Adams had a great game again. Aaron Rodgers made plays. But it was really the unsung heroes in the depth, offense, defense, and to some extent special teams with Raven Green having the 26-yard – gain off the direct snap on the fake punt. Yeah. It was the guys that aren't necessarily on the marquee that made the difference for the Packers in this game. Getting those type of performances across the board, that's how you win. That's how you're able to keep defenses and offenses, you know, on their heels a little bit because you can't cue, you know, kind of just zooming in on one guy. Packers did it in this game against the Dolphins. They finally picked up a win they desperately needed. Yeah,
0: well, and we're going to be following the story of some of these unsung heroes that you talked about because on the short week here, the Packers have some injuries they're yeah. dealing with, and we'll find out uh, later today, tomorrow, as uh, this short week goes along, just where the Packers are health-wise. But uh, quickly, Wes, the Green Bay Packers get ready for game day with the powerful noise-canceling technology of Bose QuietComfort 35 headphones To Learn more at www.bose.com slash Packers. Bose, the official headphones of the Green Bay Packers. Okay. If you want to look at one statistic, aside from Aaron Jones's numbers as the star of the game, if you want to look at one statistic that decided this game, Wes, is the red zone. Mm-hmm. Packers were four for four. The Dolphins were 0 for three. That really, in essence, was the ball game. The Packers were finishing drives. The Dolphins were not. It started. Dolphins were taking it right down the field. Packers catch a break on that opening drive. Dolphins have first down in the red zone at the 14-yard line. The shotgun snap flies right past Brock Osweiler's shoulder. He can't recover it. Reggie Gilbert falls on it. Packers get a big turnover, just a gift wrap one there. But after that, give credit to the Packers' defense because three times they were put in some really, really difficult field position situations. There was the fumble by Tremont Williams on the punt return. There was the failed fourth down at midfield. There was the blocked punt early in the third quarter. Dolphins had great field position after all three of those and all three times, the Packers' defense rose up, got the stop, made them kick a field goal, and the Dolphins didn't find the end zone all day long.
1: So here's the thing. We're not going to talk to Mike Pettin uh, with the way the schedule lines out in the short week before the Seattle game. So, I mean, in terms of what the overall plan was, we'll have to wait and see. But for my money, Mike, this might Mike Pettin, the stretch that he's been on here with these defensive game plans uh, is pretty impressive. The Packers went into this game without Kevin King. So what does that mean? That means that you have Josh Jackson starting in the boundary, or so you thought. Well, then it ends up being Jair Alexander. Yeah. And you have Bashad Breeland working the slot a little bit. You have Josh Jackson moving all those guys around. Well, then you have Kentro Bryce goes out. Raven Green comes into the ball game, And then you had Bashad Breeland go out with the groin injury. Tony Brown comes yeah. into the ball game. Tremont Williams is suddenly playing the slot. They had to do so much mixing and mashing and yet they finished really strong. Mm-hmm. They, you, We look at the sacks down the stretch that they had to put this game away. You look at the opportunities that they were able to execute on early on. What was the last thing I said on our pregame periscope? They needed to take the football away. That was what was missing in New England and what was missing in Los Angeles. Yes, they got a gift wrap with Gilbert, but those are the plays that make the difference in ball games. And you could just see the momentum turn in that instant. Yep. And it also took the Miami Dolphins out of their no-huddle for a bit.
0: Yeah. It they did. stopped
1: going up tempo after that. They started to slow things down. The Packers controlled it from there. It but what considering they were basically out of their dime package at the end of the game because of the injuries of the secondary, what Mike Penton was able to do in pressuring Osweiler, getting six sacks, nine quarterback hits. I mean, you got to tip your cap to them because they did it without a lot of the main people that in week one, I think you and I were thinking were going to be the real hallmarks of this defense.
0: Yeah, and we saw, unfortunately, Nick Perry go down with a knee injury. We haven't received an update on him just yet. But some of these injuries now, the Packers trying to sort through to see who might be available Thursday night in Seattle. Breland, who had the big interception. He left the game in the second half with a groin injury. Jair Alexander was being evaluated for a concussion, though he did speak to reporters after the game. So hopefully that's a good sign that he's actually not in the protocol. Normally, if you're in the protocol, you're off limits to the media. So we'll take that as a positive sign for now. Um, You mentioned Kentrell Bryce going down with the ankle injury. It looks like the same ankle that he had the surgery on in the offseason and that he had re-injured in training camp, but came back in a couple weeks from that. But uh, but again, we're on a real short week here with uh, with the trip to Seattle. So you said it, Wes. Raven Green, Tony Brown, whoever, Tremont Williams moving around, playing different spots. Whatever it takes here, the Packers and Mike Pettin have to put it together, and they have to do it quickly because uh, because let's face it, the Seattle Seahawks they lost to the Rams yesterday. They are four and five. This game is just as important mm-hmm. for them as it is for the Packers. Two teams in the NFC on the fringes of the playoff race trying to, you know, kind of one one team trying to knock the other one out in a sense.
1: Absolutely. And The one, uh, like, underrated aspect, too, I think, of that game uh, with, with um, you know, on Sunday against the Dolphins was the fact that I think you got to tip your cap, too, to Josh Jones. And at the time I we were talking, I haven't had a chance to rewatch the game, but to my naked eye, it was pretty impressive what Josh Jones did because they still did run a lot of that dime – look where you had him in the box with Blake Martinez he had to play back safety uh, when Raven Green comes into the game well then suddenly it's green and then it ends up being Jones in some instances when Tremont has to go back down to the slot uh, they've needed those secondary guys that haven't played at all really until the last two weeks to step up Jones did that Raven Green did that getting the sack too on a cover zero look in which Pettin Teased eight guys at the line of scrimmage and you said, you know what?
0: Sent the house. <laughs>
1: Let's send them all. Let's see what happens. In all three of the cornerbacks. Yeah, and that was on
0: a third down and yeah. got, got the got the stop and it knocked
1: uh, them out of field position or yeah. out of field goal position as well. So all I right. mean it just it's those type of things that Penton showed a lot of confidence in guys that have not really been on the field much. And you have to do that over the course of the season. That's how you get to where you want to be. To your other point, though, we're going to have to see what this injury situation looks like for the Packers. You know, if, if Perry's down, they're going to need more sacks out of Kyler Fackrell, now tied with Kenny Clark for the team lead with five. It appears like Blake Martinez got out okay with the, the ankle issue that he had from last week. Antonio Morrison ended up having to play a lot down the stretch again due to the injuries at secondary. Those are the type of things that are going to happen when you get into week 11 now and on a short week. And they're going to need to be able to keep that up in a real hostile environment now in Seattle on Thursday.
0: All right, well, before I forget here, Wes, at home or here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and that takes a lot of energy. So grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. A couple other stats I wanted to hit on. You mentioned one of them, Kyler Fackrell and Kenny Clark now leading the team, tied for the team lead with five sacks apiece. They each get a sack on what was a a six-sack day. We also saw Raven Green, Montrevious Adams both get their first NFL sacks in this game. And Devontae Adams, not a huge game in terms of the catches in the yards, but two touchdowns. He's got nine on the season here, Wes. He's, he's leading the Packers. One of the league leaders, I didn't see exactly with what happened yesterday. Where Second. Is, is he? Antonio Brown is 10. Antonio Brown is still ahead of him. Um, but, uh, but Devonte Adams here on the verge of his third consecutive double digit touchdown season, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Right. Um, so uh, I tell you what the, uh, um, the way the way some things came together for the Packers yesterday I know there's some health issues there were some miscues on special teams that obviously are concerning but the Packers played the kind of game they needed to play they started out fast they finished it strong now it's it's just hey it it's on to Seattle and you roll the dice in a place that hasn't been kind to you but uh, but the Seattle Seahawks they lost their last home right. game there to uh, to the Chargers. Packers, this this is the opportunity they've needed. They need to go to Seattle and get this I one. hate
1: throwing out the I-word, identity. I think it's an overused term in media, and I've been guilty of myself sure. over the years. And I'm going to be guilty of it right now because I'm going to say this. I feel like on both sides of the ball, they not that they found identities, but I think it was really well established what the identity was. Uh, Corey Lindsley and, and Byron Bell, talking to them after the game, they both mentioned... What that first pl- series did, establishing Aaron Jones out of the backfield and not allowing the the Dolphins to pin their ears back, how that made things easier on the pass game. That's something to build on. You look defensively, Mike. I know it's really fun when you have a, a guy that has 20 sacks in a season or 15 sacks in the season. It doesn't look like that's what this defense is going to be, though. Right. They're going to end up getting you know however many sacks they're going to get out of Kenny Clark, which is some what peculiar for his position. They're going to get a number of different guys at edge rusher. You're going to have a guy like Blake Martinez with four plus now at this point of the year. Mike Penton is making those pieces work, whatever those pieces are on a weekly basis. They're a top 10 defense again right now after that game, moving up six spots. This is what they need to do again on Sunday night. I said to you last week, and you wrote about it in your editorial, this is a huge opportunity. You can look at everything that happened against New England in L.A., and you can belabor it, and you can talk about what went wrong, whatever. But the fact of the matter is you have two games in a span of five days. That is a season-defining stretch. Yep. You pick up those two wins, things starting, suddenly start to look a little different for you now going into this final stretch and seeing what December is going to look like right now for the Packers. Yep. This is a big opportunity now in Seattle. You took care of the first half of business. Now it's the second.
0: Yeah, Packers have a chance to get back above 500 for the first time since the victory over San Francisco right before the bye. Packers four four and one right now. You get this one against Seattle. I know easier said than done, but you get this one against Seattle. You get to five four and one. Then you're watching over the weekend as either the Bears or the Vikings will pick up their fourth loss because they're oh, playing. Yeah. They're or, pl- yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but
1: I'm not gonna get into that
0: one of them theoretically is yeah. going to get a fourth loss bears uh beating the lions yesterday to get to 6 and 3 the vikings on there by there at 5 3 and 1 so if you if you get out of seattle and you're still sitting at four losses and then one of those two teams ahead of you takes their fourth loss it's It's right there for the taking.
1: I don't want to make this into Green Bay versus Seattle with all the history that they have there. As I mentioned in Inbox a couple days ago, I think there's 12 or 13 combined players on both teams that were actually on the field during the the fail Mary game. But I'm not going to also act like this isn't an opportunity for the Packers to get a little bit – I don't want to call it revenge, but maybe just a shot – of confidence a little bit, being able to go into CenturyLink. The Packers have actually had Seattle's number for the most part, particularly when they've been playing here the last couple years. But CenturyLink's been kind of a different animal. Mm -hmm. But if you're able to win on the road on a short week, Yes, this is a really tough call for the Packers having to go from Green Bay, Wisconsin all the way to Seattle.
0: And when you haven't won a road game when you haven't won so a road far game. this year, you've got to get this first one.
1: But the Rams are traveling too. You know, they had to make, you know, they had to go down to LA and they went back up and they're on a short week. They have the flight too. And maybe not as long, but there's still some considerations there. I'm really interested to see what this looks like because I think a lot of times it doesn't always come down to preparation with these games. Sometimes it's a little bit of luck, sometimes it's a little bit of health. And I think really, if you can get off to a fast start against Seattle, take that crowd out of it early on. We'll talk about them in a couple days, you know, the upcoming days. But I think that that is really going to be a big thing for the Packers, doing what they did at Lambeau Field and now taking it on the road.
0: Yeah, that's that. That's what it comes down to: is take take it on the road and get that first road win of the year. So, with that, we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. on Twitter. He's at West Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford, at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.